Well, hey everyone, it's Kathy Ostapchuk here with you today as your host on the Her Influence podcast. Welcome back with us. I really hope that you have been listening in to all of our podcasts since we launched season one. There's such good stuff. You know, I listen to this podcast on my walk I, and I compare it to other podcasts, just so you know. I listen to leadership podcasts. I listen to cultural podcasts. I listen to secular ones, uh, ones that have a great context. And you know what? I really believe that what we are curating for you is good stuff, especially in the season of intermission where we've had lots of conversations called true conversations that are reframing our new now. We consider this maybe not so much a detour as actually the road that God has directed us all on for lots of reasons. Some we know and some we don't. We have had our lives interrupted, but we do believe that this is a divine intermission. And we can make the best of it by how we choose to think. You know, this year, our scripture has been whatever is true. Whatever is true, noble, lovely, praiseworthy. That's where our minds should be. And that scripture is true in and out of season. It's not just true when things are great. (laughs) Especially when things are not great is when we need to hold that scripture and focus on, okay, what can be true? What can be lovely? What can I actually from this season about myself to prepare me for the next. And so today we have our stunning guests with us, Dr. Mary Lynn and Jillian McShane-Shields, and they are going to be bringing us a lot of great wisdom called Gaining Wisdom in the Unexpected, because when we recorded this as part of our True Conversation series back in May, we were experiencing lots of uh, survival type, you know, crisis moments, like how long is this gonna last? We don't know what this looks like, da 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 da. But now we've been in it for a long time. It's, it's the summer and we are still probably not so certain about the timeline ahead and how this thing will be transformed or pivoted into whatever is next. And so we need this wisdom more than ever, especially as the days go on. And we still don't have all the answers that we want. So in the podcast, I'm going to be telling you their bios. So I'm not going to go into that now. I just will say that these two girls are really poised for this time to bring a lot of wisdom. A lot of it has to do with our mental health. I think all of it has to do with our mental health. But they're asking us, and you'll hear this in the podcast, to pay attention to the tension. Pay attention to the tension. And so you'll also hear the discussion, gosh, we should get t-shirts saying pay attention to the tension, or maybe tattoos. But it's all about paying attention to that rather than fighting it or running away from it. We need to reframe our expectations around what we're asking of ourselves now and really what we're asking of other people. I think you'll notice that at the end of the podcast today, they talk about the scarcity mindset where we want to hang on to things from the past because we just feel that um, if it's going to be taken away from us, we won't have anything. And I'll come back to you after this uh, conversation with them and we'll talk a little bit about that. But meanwhile, just lean into the wisdom of Dr. Mary Lynn and Jillian McShane Shields. Um, life coach, psychologist, and all of the other things. And again, I'm just saying, write it down, get a pen and paper handy, because you're going to need it. This is such a fabulous conversation with so much wisdom. And we'll talk to you on the other side. 
welcome to the Her Influence Podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence Podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3 with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk. Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Well, I wanted to let you know about um, our guests today. We're so honored to have uh, Dr. Mary Lynn and Jillian McShane Shields on the call. Um, I've known Jillian a lot longer. We have sort of (laughs) a strange and wonderful past. And just to Mm -hmm. see Jillian, you actually lean into Mm -hmm your calling in this season is such a model, I think, for all of us. And Dr. Mary Lynn, you've been offering wisdom and advice and friendship to people for years and years. Um, I want to brag on them a little bit because we don't take that opportunity enough to not only provide a space for the women in our nation to speak, but actually to say, okay, here's some stuff about their lives and and you need to know this. And so starting with Dr. Mary Lynn, uh, Mary is an author, speaker, and psychologist with over 25 years of clinical experience. I know she looks like she's 25, so (laughs) I don't know how she does It's the Zoom screen, come on. It's the Zoom screen. (laughs) She is a wise counselor, a respected speaker. She can be heard on her popular podcast that she co-hosts along with Jillian, The Fully Lived Life. And I listened the other day on my walk, and I just think everybody needs to go grab that and download it. So they speak about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith and science. So it's super cool. She also makes regular TV appearances on 700 Club Canada, 100 Huntley Street, A Better Us, See Here Love, and her teaching videos are available on Right Now Media, which I know a lot of churches have gotten subscriptions to in this time of um, life interrupted. Dr. Mary is the author of The Fully Lived Life, Rescuing Our Souls from All That Holds Us Back. And Jillian is a life coach, consultant, speaker, and podcast co-host. Jillian served in pastoral ministry at C4 Church, which is now Sanctus Church, for close to two decades. She's now using that experience with the wit. I can testify to her wit (laughs) and her wisdom to continue to equip, encourage, and empower individuals and teens to move toward their full potential. She can also be heard on the podcast, The Fully Lived Life, with her friend, Dr. Mary, where they speak about life, love, and purpose. And in her free time, she's found chasing her grandson, her Labradors, chocolate, and adventures with her tribe. And she can, we are going to put um, where you can find these, both these wise women on our Facebook page. And so you can access her resources, but just opening up the space to you now, uh, Mary and Jillian, and we are just ready to receive whatever you've, you've prepared to bring to us today. Awesome. That sounds mm-hmm. great. Wonderful. Well, it's really great to be with all of you. Um, I understand we've got a number of provinces represented. Uh, I love this great country of Canada, and I'm excited to have visited many of the provinces. There's a few I haven't been to, so that's on my bucket list. 
Um, but we're, we're really going to have a great conversation today. We hope that it is conversational, uh, that you'll, you always think that we just want to have coffee with all of you. So that's right. what we're aiming for. Um, this is a little unusual situation for Mary and I, because typically we're in the same room. And so we can poke each other when we want the other one to speak or make some kind of signal that nobody else sees. So uh, this is going to be a, a lot of fun. And yes. we do hope that you are encouraged by the conversation today. Um, the one thing that really encourages me is everything that we talk about um, is through the lens of scripture. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, life coaching, psychology, it all originates in scripture. So um, it's a pleasure to be able to bring it all together. Uh, one of the things that I've been reading lately over and over and over again is from Romans 12 too. And it says that we can allow God to transform us by the renewing of our minds. Mm -hmm. And if we need to renew our minds, it's now, right? Mm -hmm. Because mine can go down a rabbit hole of uh, all kinds of places that I don't like. So to be able to transform it through the love of God and for his purposes is a pretty cool opportunity. So that's what our conversation is about today. Um, our conversation today is about reframing our thoughts uh, towards resilience. And so just quickly, reframing just means to look at things through a different perspective, um, to see it through a different lens. And so we can reframe our thoughts through scripture. We can reframe our thoughts through conversations with others and getting their opinion. Um, we can reframe our thoughts through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're also going to talk about resilience. Resilience, quite frankly, it's being able to bounce back quickly. So I'm going to hand it over to Mary so she can just flesh out what resilience looks from a psychological uh, framework. Yeah, and if I can also uh, give a plug for our time during the conference, our talk is going to be completely about resilience and all the different aspects of it. So if this, what we're talking about here intrigues you, please be sure to check us out um, during the, uh, the True Conversations conference. So um, most of you have heard the term fight or flight. I'm pretty sure you know that your bodies are geared and our bodies are wonderfully made to cope with the ups and downs of life. That's how God designed us. Uh, so if we're under times of intense stress, we'll typically go into a bit of a fight mode where adrenaline surges through our bodies and we have all that we need to address difficult challenges. And then the body naturally goes down and it gets to a place where it can relax and it can have this place of calm, a uh, place of rest so that it can recover for the next time we have stress in our life. So that's sort of like the, the, the high stress and then sort of the high point and the low point. Well, the challenge with chronic stress is that where do we ever get to decrease our stress? We stay in an elevated state of high stress. Um, and with that, eventually our bodies do crash because there's only so much we can sustain mm -hmm. that. So resilience is looking for that sort of okay zone, that resilient zone that is in between high and low. And that's kind of where resilience is. And normal life, we have the ability to kind of flexibly move to where we need to adjust to life. But in chronic stress, we typically sit in one or the other of the extremes. That makes sense? Yep. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, we're kind of sitting in an extreme right now. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Just this what's going on in their lives right now is kind of one of those extreme situations. Uh, so the first way that we can reframe is through our um, just what we're thinking about in terms of our pre-COVID life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us are sort of romanticizing what our pre-COVID life was. Um, I'm thinking about butter tarts and uh, <laughs> where I can get my next butter tart. Uh, no, um, but I mean, yes, I'm thinking are. a lot Don't of yeah, I am. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about the things I miss. And I'm also thinking about this romantic view I have of my pre-COVID life. And I really love, Kathy, what you said, because you modeled for us what it means to reframe. Uh, You said, I believe I heard, it's like a divine detour that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And that's reframing a thought that goes from a negative to a positive experience. And I think for me, I've had to do a lot of reframing. Um, If I get really honest, and I look at my pre-COVID life, I can say, whoa, like, was that pace sustainable? Um, You know, was your calendar so jam-packed that you didn't have time for family and friends? Uh, Was my day so full that I didn't have time for silence and solitude? Um, Now I've got that. And I can take a look at my life before COVID and say it was this wonderful thing, but it was a pace that was maybe quite unsustainable. And so what I'm thinking about and uh, what I'm coaching my clients to think about is to make a pro and con list. So get a piece of paper, do the pros, do the cons. What were the pros of my pre-COVID life? And you can apply this to any circumstance that you're in that takes you by surprise. Perhaps it's the loss of a job or a big disappointment. And you can go, what are the pros that were going on then? But what were some of the cons? So if I'm so busy that I have to pick up takeout five nights a week for my family, and now all of a sudden I'm in the kitchen and, you know, I'm cooking with my husband and we're having great conversations and we're having lovely meals. Uh, Was takeout so great? Nah. Take out, there's nothing wrong with it, but if it's our go-to all the time because we're so busy, uh, reframing that into a pro-con, maybe that wasn't the best thing for me. Um, so when we take our thoughts and we can take them through the lens of reframing it, was it all romantic? Uh, were there some things that are going to have to stay in the con list when I move forward out of this? So as we get staged out of COVID, I want to leave some things behind in my pre-COVID life. What do you want to leave behind? What needs to stay there? Um, And what gets to move forward with you? What are some of the new things that you're learning, um, that you're experiencing, that you want to take with you on the journey? I think that's a great question for all of us. Um, So Mary, just want to talk a little bit about drugs of choice, uh, because that's kind of one of those things that we turn to when we're getting stressed and we're trying to numb out a little bit. What what are some of the drugs of choice that people typically turn to in times of high stress? Right. Um, Well, I'll be honest with mine. Um, (laughs) I love love watching, binge watching TV. Netflix is my new best friend. Uh, I have to watch that I'm uh, not sleeping too much. Uh, like I like to lounge. 
Um, one of my biggest ones though, and, and part of what COVID has shown me is uh, people pleasing. Uh, because mm -hmm. I'm in a situation where I can't perform anymore, I can't do the usual, make everybody happy, that drug of choice is becoming glaringly apparent. And so a drug of choice is anything we turn to, to escape pain or to avoid conflict, to avoid dealing with the junk in our trunk, as I like to put it. Now, these, they become drugs of choice um, when they become habitual patterns that keep us from uh, breaking free from the thing. So, but absolutely, if I'm tired, sitting down, watching some Netflix, fantastic. I need extra sleep, go and get some sleep. If I need a glass of wine, I'm going to have that. But if it's a habitual pattern and I'm regularly not dealing with my life, then it becomes a problem. And when I think for many of us, when we first entered this season of COVID, um, we probably relied a little bit more on our drugs of choice because we just thought this is short term. We just got to get mm -hmm. through this time. We're going to be good. And then of course, seven, eight weeks later, we're realizing that we have to change our strategies. It has to be something much more sustainable. Yep. So, so the drugs of choice um, can fool us into thinking that it is a solution, but recognizing that uh, it really isn't um, is the balance of where it's functional versus dysfunctional. I'm just checking. A few people have said that their carbs, uh, their drugs of choice are carbs and screens. I get that. Yeah. 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 Who hasn't My gained five pounds during this time? <laughs> My husband's calling it the COVID-15 instead ah, of the I freshman see. 15. COVID-19. <laughs> oh, is it 19? <laughs> oh. Yeah. I just got a Fitbit last week, so I'm putting it to use. Um, yeah, so you got to do more than just wave your arm around, though. You have to actually move. <laughs> anyway, um, but I think that this reframing thing is really, really important for us. Uh, scripture leads us into some cool scriptures about that. Um, you know, Philippians talks about, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is uh, for the building up, think on these things. And one of the things that I've really had to lean into in this season is my gratitude journal, um, because I'm finding that I'm, I'm feeling uh, angry. Um, I want to just run into the grocery store and get two things. I want to just, you know, get the butter tart. I want to just uh, do this and I can't. So um, for me, really leaning into gratitude in this season has been very important for me. Mary and I were joking because she talks about um, our responses, our fight or flight response. And yes, a drug of choice can be keeping too busy. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the flight responses that I have has been weird because I'm not a flighter and I'm not, I'm a fighter. So my response in this season has been to freeze, which is so foreign to me. It's kind of unnerved me. Um, and so I've had to stop beating myself up for having a different mm -hmm. stress response in the season that I haven't experienced before. And I've had to acknowledge that that's my body telling me this is a very different stress than I've lived through in my life. Mm -hmm. So a good thing to ask yourself is, am I responding to this in a different stress way than I would normally in previous stressful times? So this reframing helps us to go from, I have to stay home to, 
I get to stay safe at home. Uh, it helps us to change from I don't have butter tarts to I'm blessed with some awesome meals that we're cooking in the kitchen together. So reframing really helps us to just change our perspective. It's a really great tool to put into place. Uh, Shireen is saying, is it okay to have a different response? I'm just reading this here because I think that's a really good one to, um, to stress. Such a good point. Um, yeah, it is, it is definitely a learning curve as we walk through this, and it will help us to build resilience for future stressful times when we do the deep work to understand where we're at. So I want to move on to number two, which Can I is, just um, oh, respond yeah, to Shireen's question? Yeah. I think really, really key is a, a position of non-judgment and mm. almost of curiosity where you yeah. just are learning to be much more self-aware, pay attention to your body, pay attention to your emotions, your moods, and do it without judgment because your body is this finely tuned instrument that has these signals that go off. It's telling you something. And if you've, because of being too busy pre-COVID, um, go, 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 you haven't had the time to actually pay attention to that, then you don't learn what your body's trying to tell you. So um, we, this, this podcast, we won't, won't have the time to answer all those questions, but certainly one of the things I would say is just pay attention to the tension. That's yeah. Andy Stanley saying, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. which we, Sorry, we've Jimmy. adopted as our own because we love it so yeah. much. Exactly, I think I need a t-shirt. Pay attention to the tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A tattoo. Deal with the Pay junk and my deal with the junk in your trunk in my back. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, we'll Go have on, a whole Jim. new wardrobe of T-shirts by the end of this. I think uh, so. our second point is just to reframe our expectations. Um, I had this very strong expectation that if I just had enough time on my hands, mm -hmm. I would start the new hobby. I would Marie Kondo my house. I would, you know, start that new thing that I've always wanted to do and fix my website and blah, blah, blah. And what I'm finding as my stress response is this freeze, which is basically telling me, don't do anything. You can't have any new things in your life right now because your body's just trying to manage itself. And that's okay. I've had to learn to deal with that. But have we had expectations that are being unmet in this season? that we're beating ourselves up about. Um, and that's tricky because I was walking through the park the other day and I overheard this young man. He's obviously talking to somebody uh, on his phone and he's saying, uh, no, I haven't written the book yet. I just <laughs> don't have enough time in my day. And he said it very <laughs> sarcastically. Um, but it was one of those things that reminded me that I have been placing this boundary of time on my life if only I had the time, I would do all these things. And clearly, it's not the boundary that I need in the season because my expectations are being challenged with my internal resources and my external resources. And that's okay. And I've had to actually do quite a bit of adjustment uh, for that. Um, I'm going to throw it to Mary because I think one of the things that um, I've been reminded about is Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how that plays into our season right now. And so, Mary, if you just want to speak to that from a clinical perspective, that'd be great. Sure. Um, and I will start with a personal perspective just because of 
how this came to light for me. And it didn't come out of a pretty place. So I'm just going to just say that right up front. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had what I would say a meltdown. And for me, a meltdown was I was pretty cranky. I was angry. Uh, I was feeling sorry for myself. Uh, I was angry at God as well. And so the emotional part of my brain is saying, why isn't anyone checking in with you? Uh, why aren't I getting those wonderful butter tarts on the um, doorstep <laughs> like other people are? Because I know that, and in, in, in that's part of my own issue is my projection as a strong woman is that I have no needs. Whole other topic on that. And uh, I realized with the logical part of my brain is that, well, of course not. Everybody is in survival mode. They can barely get through coping with their own lives. And I know that I have people in my life who love me. I know that there's no question about it. And so my expectations of people being able to reach out to me is not realistic. And if you mm -hmm. think about this from the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's like this triangle, it's like five levels. And the bottom one is our basic needs. And by the way, you cannot go up into the higher levels of need unless the basic ones, the underlying ones are needs. So the bottom one is for safety, which is, sorry, it's not safety. It's uh, physiological needs. And that kind of makes sense as our need for food, water, warmth, and, and rest. Uh, food, water, toilet paper is also part of obviously our physiological needs. So very, very basic needs, especially at the front end where people were starting to worry, am I gonna have enough food? And people were hoarding. And they weren't hoarding, in my opinion, out of selfishness, they were hoarding out of fear because mm -hmm. the basic physiological need was they were afraid was not gonna be met. So if we're able to manage that, then the second stage is safety needs, which is our need for security and safety. Well. Is that something that we are promised during this time? We can walk out and we can get sick. So when those two basic fundamental needs that we all have as human beings are at risk, everything in us focuses on trying to stabilize those two areas. So things above that related to calling and purpose, I mean, the titles that uh, Maslow uses, he says the third next is belonging and love needs. The one above that is esteem needs, and the top one is self-actualization. And really, frankly, to give ourselves lots of grace and compassion um, until we are able to stabilize in those two bottom rings of um, needs. Give yourself permission not to be trying to self-actualize and mm -hmm. you know, write that book or to reach your full potential or you know, to accomplish something. Like that's not the goal now. Um, having said that, as you lean into the lessons learned during this time, my goodness, you will find that exponentially you're going to grow in those areas of the top levels because, as you know, for many of us, learning happens below the surface before we start to see the fruit. So this is not wasted time in your growth. So just you know, keep that in mind. Lots of grace. And at the same time, recognize that everybody's in the same shoes. So give them a lot of grace if you perceive their actions to be self-protective or selfish. Yeah, that was a big learning for me through this time. And uh, just going back to that pyramid and looking mm -hmm. at it, I'm like, yeah, no wonder I'm stuck down here in the bottom tiers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So reframing our expectations, it helps us to go from when to now. So, mm -hmm. you know, there will be time in the future when our resources are topped up internally and externally 
to do those cool things like write that book and Marie Kondo the house and learn the new language, but it may not be in the season and that's totally okay. Um, so take the gifts of this season uh, to learn, to pay attention to the tension and how you're responding in stress because all those will help you to build for the next stressful event in your life and you'll be able to lean into these lessons, uh, which are so important right now. We're learning a lot about ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the third way to reframe is by cutting off comparison. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Comparison uh, is always dangerous, but in a time when we're stressed, it's more dangerous. Theodore Roosevelt was the one who coined the phrase, comparison is the thief of joy. He was um, not a stranger to hardship. Uh, He lost both his mother and his wife. Uh, They both died the same day. And he led through wars. He led through economic hardship. Um, And he could have been comparing himself all the time to leaders and past presidents who may have done different Uh, job of handling things and situations. I'm sure he was always reminded about those. Um, But he said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I can find myself when I'm looking at Instagram and -hmm. someone has just baked um, the beautiful loaf of sourdough and I can't find yeast. Uh, And, or they've created, you know, um, the perfect uh, decorated corner in their home for podcasting. And I've just got this big old chair. Uh, I can quickly go down into a bit of a pit. That Oh, why are they doing all those cool things? And I'm just like barely getting off the couch with my Doritos. Um, it will steal from us. And it will steal the lessons that we can learn. Uh, so it's a really dangerous place to be. Um, I don't know what you need to do to stop the comparison in your life. I know some folks have taken Instagram and Facebook right off their phone so it's not always in their face so they can time when they go into it. Um, there is a great exercise and I'm gonna do I'm gonna do something loud right now, but I just have to go, stop, stop, Jillian. And it's kind of like dog training. Stop. <laughs> um, and it just snaps me out of that cycle. It helps me. Some people wear a rubber band on their wrist and they snap it. Um, whatever works for you to snap yourself out of that comparison journey uh, is really necessary in this time. So a reference point that is based on comparison right now is the wrong reference point. What can a reference point be that can actually be helpful for us? Um, Mary, do you want to speak to reframing our reference points? Um, One of the ways that... um, in the, uh, the Science of well-being, well-being course I'm taking, one of the reference points that she talks about is going back to a time in your life that was a really wonderful experience. And um, so whether it was a great weekend away with friends or a vacation, she says, take that experience and allow yourself to sit in the experience three times uh, over the course of three days for eight minutes at a time. So set a watch timer and think of all the things that you experienced, that you learned, the people that you were with, the gifts that they gave you during that time. And it helps you to reframe your reference point in your life from something that you don't have to something that you do have. The gift of friendship, the gift of family, the gift of learnings, 
Uh, I thought that was a really great way of changing our reference points. Um, Mary, do you have anything to add to that that might help us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also had a thought earlier when you were talking about the whole comparison uh, aspect is how much what's being triggered in me is shame. And uh, mm. shame isn't um, something I've done wrong. It's that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me because I can't do that. I have no energy. Like, frankly, for myself, my energy level is really low because I've recognized that pre-COVID, I was living a pretty high-stress life, and now I've kind of done the crash thing, and I have very little motivation. But then I feel feel a lot of shame. So that's some of the internal dialogue um, that can can trigger these uh, responses. Um, the, the brain is this beautiful, beautiful instrument that God has designed. It is so intricately designed that we don't even realize it. Our thoughts have a, a tremendous amount of power to impact our view of life. And I know there's scripture says, you know, finally, brothers and sisters, think of these things that are true, loving, noble. Well, good science is always biblical mm -hmm. because it's rooted in how God has designed us. When you think uh, toxic thoughts, uh, or negative thoughts, it releases toxic neurochemicals in your brain. It releases stress hormones. Because don't forget, your brain is designed to help you survive. So if you're thinking negative thoughts, your brain is trying to gear up to protect itself or to manage the stress. So when you have this release of toxic neurotransmitters, you will start to feel it in your body. And you'll start to also feel it in your mood and in your psyche. And the converse is if you release... Uh, think about positive thoughts, mm. you will end up releasing what I like to call happy hormones, but they're hormones that actually are linked to happiness, mood, well-being. Uh, it makes us uh, actually more content, that, which means it makes us easier to get along with, with our families. Um, there are genuine changes that happen in the brain. And uh, so I know some of you may have heard these, you know, cognitive behavior therapy and yeah, you're supposed to change your thinking, but like, you don't really know what goes on in my brain. And it is true, if you're st struggling with chronic anxiety or chronic depression, it can be harder and harder to reframe your brain. But I can tell you from working with people over many years that it is a very, very important strategy because you want to be able to release those hormones. Sometimes people will need to have additional uh, medication to help bring the hormones in place. but. For the most of us who are just trying to get through this stressful time, um, I like Jillian's yelling of the stop because that works for her. Um, I will suggest something a little gentler. It's called the, <laughs> which you could say do at the top of your lung. Why not? Uh, the think technique. So anytime you, this is this is what I tell people when you feel icky, because that's that's a good sign something is going off. So if you feel icky, pause and say to yourself, think. Is what's going on in my mind truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And that's a really simple way to just track. Um, and if the thought, it doesn't fit that criteria, then you go, okay, that's it. I'm not thinking about it. And by the way, if I tell you, don't think about a stop sign, what just flashed in your mind? It stops Yeah, <laughs> stop sign. So, Stopping thinking isn't a matter of just stopping. You actually have to replace it with some other focus. So instead of a negative thought, I'm going to think about a positive thought. And for me, if I focus on the truth of God's promises, his character, 
his love for me. And I just keep saying that. So with, for me, with shame, um, I often get feelings of condemnation. And so the, the things I say out loud to myself is thank you that I'm holy and blameless in your eyes. Thank you that you see me as the apple of your eye. Thank you that you delight in me. And I'll just say that. And what that does is it switches my brain over into that positive thinking and it's based on truth and truth does truly transform. Yeah. And that's what we're all about, right? Transforming mm -hmm. our minds and we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for that, Mary. That's fantastic. I like that think one. I haven't, I haven't heard that before. That was a gem today. I'm going to have to, if go. I can remember, could you remind us T? True. H helpful. I inspiring and necessary. K kind. Okay. Awesome. I will be using that one instead of yelling at myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you but need a little hit on the I side do. of the head. I get that. I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the last point that we have is just being, reframing by being open to the lesson mm -hmm. in the season. Um, if, if we're open, we will learn. Uh, Mary and I do some corporate training, and we typically have a room full of very young men and women. And, um, and they are you know, eager to get going in their careers. They've sort of, they think that they've hit the jackpot because of where they're at and they're really interested in getting ahead. And the one thing we stress to them over and over again is you will move ahead if you are teachable. Mm -hmm. But if you think you know everything and there's nothing new to learn, uh, you will not be teachable. And, you know, one of the things, um, uh, one of my coaching clients uh, has her own business and she's of course had to close the business. Everyone's working at home right now and she's actively thinking about reopening her business to a very different model than she had two months ago. And one of the things that she's doing is she's leaning into other business owners in very different industries in order to share ideas and to get their perspective because she said, I, I know I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I want to pick other people's brains. That's a teachable place to be. And it's just, mm -hmm. she's going to do well. She's going to think things that she's never thought before because she's going to be open to being teaching, uh, teachable in the lessons right now. Um, our brains are really busy trying to figure out this new space we're in. And if we're, if we're always comparing it with the old, um, we're going to get stuck. So we have to become a bit innovative and creative about uh, this reality that we wish we still had, which we don't have anymore. Can we just allow ourselves the permission to see this kind of as a new land and a new language that we're learning? Um, when we go on holidays to a new culture, we're open to trying new foods. We're open to trying um, new uh, ways of doing things, new habits. Uh, we don't want to offend anyone, so we learn some new things that are culturally appropriate. And we take the time to do that. If we can see ourselves walking into this new land with this new language, we will be very open to coming up with some new strategies for ourselves. And I think that will really help us moving forward. Um, we want you to be teachable. I know that that's one of my lifelong goals for myself mm -hmm. is to be teachable. and. Um, uh, one of the ways that I deal with things is through humor. Um, if you're in ministry for more than a year, you need a boatload of humor uh, because there's so many things to laugh about or you would just leave. 
Um, so having been in ministry for a very long time, uh, I always had to look at it through the lens of humor. So I'm trying to find some funny things that I'm learning right now that I will, I, that I will joke about later. I mean, the fact that we're wearing our sweatpants 24-7 um, and all the fun stuff that's coming out with the memes and stuff. I just find that really fun because it's poking it's poking a little bit at the things we should be learning. So um, Mary, if you could just expand for us a little bit on why being teachable is so important to our own resilience moving forward, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the training that we do with this corporation and uh, part of the training or part of the process is uh, my team, we get to assess the candidates and uh, decide whether they're in fact appropriate to take on this new role. And I can very predictively Mm -hmm. um, understand who is going to succeed and who's not going to succeed. And we have to give the results to the client in these handwritten notes. And man, the times that they come back and say, we had to let so-and-so go, or this person crashed and burned. Well, if you look at the reasons why they didn't, it's the lack of teachability. Mm-hmm. So teachability is so critical. Um, resilience requires a great degree of flexibility. Uh, you know, life is unpredictable. There's always things changing and we have to be able to pivot to meet the new demands. It requires a realistic view of what's actually in front of us. Denial is not helpful in that instance because we won't have the correct solution if we don't know what the problem actually is. Mm-hmm. So that ability to be really flexible is, is critical. And we have to be able to regularly and readily recognize when what is going on is not helpful. And in fact, maybe even becoming maladaptive and then we need to switch gears. Well, switching gears, uh, for example, if I know I need to lose weight, it's not just a matter of going, well, today I'm gonna lose weight. I mean, it requires understanding. It requires study. It requires mentoring. It requires working with people who are further ahead than I am. And so it's so critical to resilience because uh, it it builds in you the skill set of being able to uh, pivot, but it also builds in you this confidence that I can cope because I can continue to learn and I will continue to adjust and I'm becoming more mature, more wise, and I just have so much more I can do. And so with teachability, so key is self-awareness. And most of us probably have a general sense of our strengths and weaknesses, uh, what I'd like to call blind spots. But I think where the rubber hits the road is I have these insights, but then when real life happens, I go back to my old strategies. My blind spots come up again and again, and I do the same old, same old. And then I wake up and kind of go, what the heck happened? Why did I just do that? And so real self-awareness that leads to transformation is real-time self-awareness, which is taking the inside of my blind spots and knowing that when I'm under stress, my likelihood of using those strategies is not helpful and then intentionally saying, I'm going to respond differently. And as you keep practicing it, shifts begin to happen and growth happens and transformation happens. So it's here's an important truth I want you to really kind of sit on to the extent that we face and deal with our flaws our mistakes our bad decisions the junk in our trunk the stuff we don't like to face about it is the degree that we will grow and mature and transform but then the opposite is also true and that's the degree that we deny hide minimize um 
try to uh, rationalize our weaknesses and our mistakes is the more we're going to need to have to control our lives um, and those around us, by the way, and the more insecure we're going to become and the more rigid we become as well, which means that we're going to have to continue to go around that mulberry bush time and time again, the mm -hmm. same old, same old pain that happens. And um, the other aspect I would add with teachability is personal responsibility. Uh, because life is hard and bad things happen to us. I know every single one of you have had been a victim of bad things happening to you. And that needs to be grieved and mourned and addressed and healing needs to happen. But freedom comes when I take responsibility for what that has caused in me and how I've contributed to it and my attitudes and my responses. And as I do that, and I then have power because I can make those changes. And as I do that, uh, growth happens and better experiences happen around me as well. So that's kind of um, my uh, little thing on resilience uh, and teachability. Like I said, another little um, promo for the conferences, we are gonna be talking a lot more about this. Um, one of the things too, Mary, I want you to touch on is there's been quite a bit of research on post-isolation. Mm -hmm. And maybe yeah. you can just help us with that a little bit. Yeah, so I was uh, reading up about that, and this is so fascinating. If I were to ask people to predict what would happen after isolation, um, most people would say things like, oh, if I would never want to go to that through that ever again. That was brutal. But what they actually found with uh, research is that a large number of people who've gone through isolation actually would be willing to go back. And that's, what? Who would choose this? And what they found was um, those who've gone through a period of isolation, they actually value the experience for what they've learned, for what they've been taught. And what they come out of it is just with a greater sense of uh, their personal values, what's really important to them. When things are taken away, boy, do you know what's important to you? Mm -hmm. And they're also more committed to working on them. Because when you know it's value. Like when we talk about personal values, they're not personal values unless we're living them out in our life. They're just great ideas. So knowing your personal values and then having the, the commitment to act on it, then we are living out of our values. And when people have the space to sit back and think about it, they tend to kind of go to that little bit more reflective mode. They've also found that post-isolation um, changes happen to men and women, which I find fascinating. Men are more likely to use social support as a coping strategy. Now, isn't that oh. interesting? Because in the past, they're like, I can just go through. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm independent. This is great. So men are more likely to um, reach out to social support. And then women, yay women, we have an increased trust in our own abilities. We have greater confidence. We have greater uh, confidence in our resilience. Uh, and by the way, we are resilient women. We just don't see that in us. Mm -hmm. uh, women in general tend to put themselves down and not see. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Shireen. <laughs> I saw that too. I, got like, okay. I don't know if people read it. Shireen was saying, let's keep men in isolation longer. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Um, where was I now? I My 50 plus where I got completely distracted. Oh, the, the confidence thing. When, I, when I'm when working with people who struggle with any anxiety, depression and all that, I never move them to a place of pain-free. 
it's probably not possible this side of heaven. But what to me is um, a goal accomplished is if the person has confidence in their ability to cope and in their resilience and in their faith. Mm. And that means they have the skills, they know what to do, they know they can get through. And I think that this season for us as women is going to be a remarkable time where yep. more and more of us are going to step up to the plate and show ourselves as strong and not strong as in, oh, everything's okay, everything's good, but strong as in we can be vulnerable, we can be mm-hmm. honest about our suffering, we're willing to wade into some very difficult, painful things, we're willing to experience it. And out of that, we're more confident and more resilient. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I like the ha- the fact that we're all getting more remarkable in our resilience. Yeah. 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 I like that. We are remarkable women. That's your badge women. today. You all get a badge that says that. Yeah. Um, just to end off, uh, just a funny story um, that I always just think about. Um, my brother was selling a house for a, a friend of his. And uh, the house had been owned by his father. And his dad had lived through the Great Depression. His dad had seen some really difficult times in his life. And as they were cleaning out some of the house to get it ready for showing, there was a box in the shed. And the box said, bits of string too small to use. And indeed, they took the lid off. And inside were little bits of string. It was full of little bits of string too small to use. And I'm, I'm thinking about that. It's funny, but it's not. because. It shows that scarcity mindset that, you know, during the depression, during times when things are taken away from us, we can hang on to things just because they're things rather than their value. Mm. And what are we kind of hanging on to in the season just because it's a thing from our previous life, pre-COVID, that just needs to get tossed out? (laughs) Like what little bits of string are we hanging on to? So... Um, with that thought, you know, what are the bits of string too small to use that you're hanging on to that just need to stay in that pre COVID life and not move forward with you into your new space, that new land and new language that we're moving towards. And that's it for us. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been a privilege hosting you in this room. I know every time I end a, a coaching call, I, I go, what are the takeaways? What am I taking away? Mm. And I had, a, I had several. The biggest one is this idea of teachability. We had a meeting with our interns yesterday, and we talked about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Mm. And I yeah. think women rise particularly in these crisis situations because mm-hmm. we want to lean in and grow. But reframing it with Romans 12, 2, the goal is to be transformed is brilliant. So thank you so much for that. I want to hand it to Rebecca because we've got just a couple of minutes left and I'm sure women have a few questions for you. And so we'll hear from Rebecca. Yes, we do have actually um, some really great questions. Uh, if we do want to respect everybody's time, we are probably going to go a few minutes over. We encourage you to stay. We want you to stay. But if you need to slip off, then, you know, we understand. Um, but we really hope you can just stretch yourselves a few minutes for us. So the first one, I'm actually going to invite Shireen. Shireen has a question. Would you voice that for us? I'll unmute you. You're muted still. Am, am I are my, am I good now? Yeah. Okay. So my question was, um, how do you um, 
moved from a place of non-teachability <laughs> to oh. teachability in a practical way, in the sense of if, if you've come to that place now where you realize that you haven't been resilient or you haven't been able to move forward because you can now say, oh my goodness, I haven't had a teachable spirit, spirit, and then you come to that realization, what are the practical things that you can do in order to move into that place of teachability so that you can become more resilient? Wow, that that's is a great actually question. the first step there, Shereen, <laughs> is that, that recognition that I'm not teachable. And maybe part of my pain is because of my own choices to remain stuck. And so uh, that is an exciting place to be. Um, normally, uh, everybody in your life knew that before you did. <laughs> uh, so being yeah. able to chat in a grace-filled way with family and friends that you trust to say, you know, I've noticed that when tough times happen, I respond by being defensive or whatever it might be. I really want to be able to change. That humility to acknowledge that is very, very key because what's going to happen is mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like when I bought my, um, my black Mazda, uh, I didn't see any of them on the road until I bought it. And then all of a sudden I saw them all over the place. So if you have in your mindset that you want to be teachable, you're going to notice opportunities everywhere around. And you also want to be partnering up with people that you would recognize are teachable folks and uh, learn from them, uh, have fun with them, um, hang out with them. I think that would be really fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. A great question, great answers. But same with Kathy, so many good insights to just take home. Um, I'm going to ask one more, and then I think Kathy uh, has another one, which is uh, when when does um, we were taught you were talking about the the desires and behaviors and sort of things that are making us feel comfortable. Where when does that become uh, that craving or desire? Where's the red flag for that becoming an addiction as we sort of fall into these habits of, you know, we talked about Netflix and, you know, said screens and carbs. So yeah. where is that line between, you know, this is just something I'm doing to cope and this is maybe something that's starting to take control. Um, and the line is not a, a black and white line. It's a gray line. Uh, and it has a lot to do with how you're doing in your life. If you're finding that it's affecting your ability to cope with the, and I'm going to say normal responsibility because right now we're in an abnormal time. Your responsibility is around work or uh, family. Uh, then you have to start to question it. Uh, do an experiment and don't do that thing. Don't use that thing for a time and feel what emotions come up. Feel if you're ex uh, experiencing almost like a panicky need for that thing. Um, there are other signs uh, and, and certainly uh, we could give you some references to look if we're talking about a true addiction. Um, and again, that's also something that family and friends are probably aware of before you are because denial is a part of what keeps an addiction in place. Uh, that's, that's kind of like a spectrum. I'm, I was primarily referring to where most of us sit, which is between healthy to somewhat less healthy. And so the drugs of choice where we still have room for improvement. When it gets to the point where it's become a true addiction, then professional help is almost always needed. And there's a whole bunch of um, strategies that would have to be put in place. And it also is a long-term journey because often people will go forward fall, go forward, fall. So that's kind of a, 
Well, and like you said to Shereen about the teachability, so much of that is just the realization of it in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. it's very it. true. Yeah, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And Kathy, I think you had some questions to wrap us up. Well, I think we'll end there with the questions. Uh, Rebecca, you can remind us about the conference and then I'll introduce our speaker for next time. And uh, thank these gorgeous girls. <laughs> So as we mentioned a few times, I did put the link in the chat. We are having our national online conference, May 22nd and 23rd. Uh, it's something that was on Kathy and Gather's heart to have online long before COVID. So amazing that God was preparing in advance something that we would, we would need to be doing anyway. Uh, we are so excited. We have a tremendous lineup of speakers, including these two beautiful ladies who have just brought us so much is wisdom and many of our other speakers that we've had in our conversations. I'm going to quickly read off just our Friday, some of our, our, our subjects, strategies for motherhood, strategies for marriage, uh, momentum for the next generation, strategies for ministry, strategies for leading through crisis, strategies for marketplace, the marginalized and mental health. That's just Friday. That's just Friday. Um, and then there's all kinds of speakers on um, on Saturday as well. We will put the link again in the Facebook page. We encourage you to sign up. We encourage you to, to get the women. It's a great opportunity to sort of gather online with your, your ladies from your small group or your church or things. And, and you can't watch together, but you can watch together just in different places at the same time. And then you can talk after and, and create some dialogue. And it's just such a, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, there was just so much wealth of information. Today was just a taste of what you're going to get um, at True Conference. So we really encourage you to go and, and investigate it, register. Uh, we'd love to see you all there. Absolutely. And we don't want to promote the idea of self-medicating, but you can watch in your sweatpants and have snacks all day if you want. So there, there's a plug. I, I think our goal and my personal goal for myself as I think about being this transformed, not conformed woman is to come out wherever this will take us to be different, not to be the self-medicated, you know, tra traumatized woman that hasn't known what's hit her, but to take all of this wisdom that you both shared with us and say, I want to learn, I want to lean in, what is it for me? And we'll be different than the culture. And I think that's going to say something. I think that's going to declare the, the gospel in a, in a new way that some of us haven't been so visible before, but we will be. So part of um, what we're trying to offer you is touch on some of the touch points that we really need to lean in with this growth mindset. We have Jen Carnegie. I think she was on the call today. I don't know if she's still here, but she'll be joining us. There she is on Thursday to talk about money. So I, I may or may not have been ordering things off Amazon a little bit more than <laughs> usual the last few weeks. Um, anyways, but Jen Carnegie, she's a wife, mom, a business owner, financial coach. Hello and mentor. And we're just so excited um, to have this, again, beautiful time with her. She's, she started as a CMA, moved from there into business with her husband. She's been married 28 years with business partners and has had business partners. And um, they together have 14 financial services branch offices across Ontario. So beautiful follower of Jesus. Um, we're just so excited to welcome her on Thursday. So we are really here to do that connect, equip, 
and resource all of you so that when the world comes knocking at our door and says, I want what you have, we have something of value to offer. So just want to thank you all for being here. Again, Jillian and Mary, I just, I can't thank you enough. I've got some personal aha moments, but also some uh-oh moments. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I've got some work to do. So thank you again. It's just been an absolute privilege. And I want to thank the rest of you for being with us today. And we'll say goodbye, but head over to the Facebook page. There's more community there. Resources will be there. And uh, find each other and lean in, okay? Because we're going to be transformed on the other side. So we'll say goodbye and thanks. Bye. Thank you so much. So did you love it? <laughs> I loved it. As I listened again, I took even more notes. I said that we'd come back to this topic about scarcity. And as a coach myself, I know that most of the time I'm coaching people who want to romanticize the past, who hang on to the status quo. They want what they used to have, even though what they used to have wasn't really working for them. Those are the strings, the little strings that Jillian is referring to. So I just think get rid of the clutter. Whatever got you here probably isn't going to get you forward. So what can you embrace? What new mindset? What new tools? What new community can you surround yourself with that is really going to help propel you forward? Hang on to what's valuable. Hang on to the lessons learned. Hang on to the wisdom. Hang on to your faith in God. He's the only one in control. He's the only one that is going to be able to move you forward. You can be responsible for your life, but you definitely can't be in control of everything in your life, including the pandemic. So lots of lessons on this podcast. We want you to keep tracking with us. We've got a great new season planned for you starting in the fall. We want you to engage with us at Gather connect with us. Uh, We have curriculum, we have a a book study out, we have master classes that we're going to be offering again, and we want to mobilize you. So just stay tuned for how that will look also in what we're calling sort of the third half, September, October, November, December, and how we are actually going to gather again and see what that looks like. So meanwhile, we're just praying for you. We see you. We love you girls across the nation and beyond. We believe that this is a significant time in our history in this nation. This is a significant time for you. The one that's listening out there who maybe just caught this intentionally or not, this is for you. Everything we do is for you to find, uh, reclaim your identity, to rise in your voice, in your purpose, in your confidence and to use your influence for kingdom. And so that's what we want for us. That's what we want for you. And we're in it together. We're here to champion you as you do that. So go find your place in the world. We love you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.